Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. It's our hope that this message will help you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. One of my favorite characters in the Bible is a guy named Moses. Moses had a Ph.D. in Egyptology. Man, talk about going up. He was destined to sit on the throne. He would have been Pharaoh Moses at one point. But being a typical human being, he messed up really bad. And now the throne to which he was destined became his enemy. He had to run for his life and live way out on the back of the desert and herd somebody else's sheep for 40 years. 40 years. What have you ever done for 40 years? So boring. Same path, same sheep, same path. How would you like to be Moses and you go home maybe in the evening and your wife says, how was your day? Don't ask. (laughs) Finally, if I can sort of put myself in heaven and listen to a conversation, I can hear God saying, I think I can talk to this man now. Now, I have often prayed, God, don't let me get so stubborn that it takes you 40 years to get through to me. And I can hear God saying, I think I can talk to this man now. So what does he do? He sets a bush on fire. There were millions of thorn bushes in that desert. I don't know which one it was. I'm glad we don't know. If we did, we'd bronze the thing and worship it. And I don't know if it was George or H.W. I, you know. So Moses, <laughs> bored to tears, man, sees that. Oh, right, something different in the desert. He was 80, you know. And he gets over there and discovers it was not your normal bush. Not only did it not burn up, it spoke. And it knew his name. Moses, Moses, yes. Take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. He took off his shoe. <laughs> now, I've got to throw something in here because when I realized this, it just gave me goosebumps on top of goosebumps. Back then and still today among Arab culture, they believe that the bottom of the foot is the dirtiest part of the body. Don't you think God would have said, Moses, put on more shoes? But no, he says, take off your shoes. I want the dirtiest part of you right up against my holiness, man. That's a picture of grace right there. Well, Moses, guess what he did next? He starts an argument with the bush. That takes nerve. Jewish people have a stronger word for that. They call it chutzpah. Now, chutzpah is kind of like murdering your parents and then throwing yourself on the mercy of the courts as an orphan. (laughs) Well, the bush won. And Moses says, okay, okay, I'll go. I'll talk to Pharaoh. I'll talk to the children of Israel. But they're going to want to know who sent me. They're going to want a name, man. So what am I going to tell them? 
God says, you tell them, I am who I am has sent you. Now, folks, that's goosebump territory, too. If I were to send you, I'd have to say, tell them, I ain't has sent you. (laughs) Or the great maybe. But God is an I am, and he, he, he expresses this in that term, Y-H-W-H, or Yahweh, which he describes as the name he was to be known by from generation to generation. That's an old way of saying from now on. Well, here's the interesting part of this. Whenever you see in the Old Testament the word Lord, and it is capitalized all the way through. Now, modern printings usually use a large first cap and then what editors call small caps after that. But they're all capital letters. When you see that, I want you to know something that's very important. That word is not there. Now, this is a complaint on my part. They were messing with the Bible. What is actually there is Y-H-W-H, or Yahweh. Now, why did we put Lord? Well, there's a good reason, really. Uh, Jewish people won't pronounce that name. Orthodox Jewish people won't. You know, if they're reading and they come to the letters Y-H-W-H, they'll go, and said, because they won't speak the great memorial name, they call it. Now, this isn't what God said. He said, I want to be known this way. So whenever you see it, remember that, because that's going to become important. And so now Moses knows God's name. Now this is fascinating. Do you realize that when you know someone's name, you kind of own part of them, you know? If I were to see Skip Heitzig across a great distance, and uh, there are a bunch of people between me and him, all I have to do is yell, Skip! And everybody will do this. No, I mean... (laughs) Now I've got to tell you another story. It has nothing to do, really, but it's funny. I think it was in Australia where they were doing, I'm pretty sure it was, they were doing the uh, dedication of a big new library, and they had asked the local Anglican bishop, uh, that state church thing, to do the honors. So he had put on all of his bishopric clothing and decided to go out about 30 minutes onto the mezzanine just to look over the crowd. He spotted an old high school buddy of his that he hadn't seen since high school. And he knew if he didn't get his attention right then, he'd never get to see him. So he yelled his name out across the crowd. Neil! (laughs) thousand knees hit the floor. In the sixth chapter of Exodus, what we've just been talking about was occurring in the third chapter. In the sixth chapter, God revealed to Moses that you're the first person that I've, I've really told my name to. But now he knows the name. What does it mean? Names were important back then, far more important than now. You know, we, 
Names are so common and the like now. We don't name people like they did back then. They named them in keeping with who they were so that if you knew a person's name and the meaning of the name, you knew the person. We don't do that now. We just flip through baby books till we find names that sound nice, you know. My parents named me Gail. Pray for me. But God has now given him his name. But now in Exodus 33, we take up one of the most exciting stories that could possibly ever be in all of history. Listen to what happens. You know, that argument that I was telling you about wasn't the last argument that Moses and God had. He was cheeky enough, man. He argued with God pretty frequently. And we find him in another argument, which this time he wins. He wins this argument. So in verse 17 of Exodus 33, the argument's over. Moses has won. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken. In other words, what do you want? I'll give it to you. How would you like to hear God say that? What do you want? I'll give it to you. I know what my first thought might be, Hawaii. (laughs) For you have found grace in my sight, or I'm pleased with you. Or let me put it in terms I think we'll understand quickly. He's saying to Moses, I like you. How would you like to hear God say that? You know, one thing I have discovered in my 35 years of life, (laughs) it's the miles, folks is that many people, Christians even, think that God's kind of upset with them, that that God is up in heaven going, ay, 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 if I had known, you know. (laughs) But that is not true. Please, with Moses, if you have not heard it before or it hasn't been hid in your heart, please hear it tonight. He likes you. He really does. Actually, he's crazy about you. When he looks at you, it isn't because he's gritting his teeth and wondering who let you in. (laughs) No, please hear this, folks. He delights in you. And you may think, well, he must not know me then. He knows you better than you know yourself. And yet, oh, how happy he is when he sees you. Please know that. So he says, Moses, I like you. I'll do what you ask. And he says, I know your name. Isn't that great that God knows your name? I mean, he knows which George you are, which John you are, which Jane you are, which Lisa you are, uh, which Iphigenia or Penelope or something like that you are. He knows you. Penelope, I know And so he says, what do you want? I'll do it. And here's what Moses says. I love this. He said, please show me your glory. Wow. In other words, God, I want to see you. Have you ever wondered just how do you describe the glory of God? What is the glory of God? Is it it some cloud? that comes up out of the ground and wraps around you and you don't dare look or your face will melt like in Raiders of the Lost Ark? (laughs) 
He's saying, God, I want to see your glory. I want to see you. And God, in essence, says, well, got a little problem here. Tell you what I'll do. I'll have all my goodness pass in front of you. Now, folks, how much goodness do you think that is? I'll have all my goodness pass in front of you. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will proclaim my name or preach my name or define my name. Wow. Wait, 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 wait. Moses said, I want to see your glory. And you're telling me you'll define your name. What, what, do, you, what do you mean, God? Folks, here's something very important for us tonight. At this moment, God was putting his glory and his name together with the same definition. This will become very interesting as we go along. And he says, now, I don't want anybody on this mountain but me and you. I want you to come up on this mountain. In fact, I want you to take two tablets and see me in the morning. That's what it said right there. I don't even want any cattle on the mountain. And what I'll do, Moses, is I I will put you in a cave and hide you there with my hand and as I pass by and explain my name I will move my hand and let you get just a glimpse of my back but you can't see my face because if you do you will die I don't think Moses slept that night (laughs) let me tell you Whoa, I'm going to see God, man. I can see him as he gets into that cave and puts those tablets there just at the front of the cave and backs into it and waits. Man, this is going to be good. I'm going to see God. And sure enough, Here it comes, the hand right across. He's looking at the fingerprints of God, man. And God passes by and in Exodus 34, beginning with verse 6, defines his name. And he begins with the Lord, the Lord. Now, some people know the name as Jehovah. Well, that's okay. Uh, it, It isn't the way it was. Jehovah is a modern name, only about 400 years old. But it's okay if you use it. Please don't misunderstand me. The name was actually Yahweh. So he's saying, Yahweh, Yahweh. And then I'm going to put some versions together here to come up with this list. So here, I want you to hear it. And then I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abound in mercy and faithfulness, mercy to thousands, forgiving wickedness, forgiving rebellion, forgiving sin. Does that sound okay? All right, repeat it after me. Compassionate, Compassionate. gracious, Gracious. slow to anger, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and faithfulness, abounding in mercy and faithfulness, mercy to thousands, Forgiving wickedness, forgiving rebellion, forgiving sin. 
Now, here's where this exciting connection comes in, folks, and it's going to change your lives whether you want it to or not. Every time you see the word Lord, you're going to kind of peel it up in the Old Testament there, and you'll say, I know what's under there, Y-H-W-H, which means compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and faithfulness, mercy to thousands, forgiving wickedness, forgiving rebellion, forgiving sin. So he starts off, the Lord, the Lord. And, of course, we know what that means now. Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and faithfulness, mercy to thousands, forgiving wickedness, forgiving rebellion, Come on, folks. Forgiving sin. Maybe you think you aren't wicked. I don't know. (laughs) Compassion. Now, you know, compassion is pity moved to do something about it. There are some who believe that if there is a God, He created all this 15 billion years ago, and now He's real busy doing other stuff, doesn't have time for us, but He comes by every once in a while, looks at us and goes, Whoo, do I feel sorry for you, then moves on. No, He benevolently interferes in our lives. It's wonderful to watch when God's up to stuff, you know? And you realize you were headed this way and He rescued you or you thought you were doing this and you found out you were doing something different that was more wonderful than you thought. This is the way He is. He has compassion. He's moved by compassion and gracious. Now, you know, grace is when God gives us what we do not deserve. Now you folks know that we are so blessed. We don't even notice it anymore. If we really did, if we really did, every time we took a breath, man, we'd go, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you. We'd get a stethoscope, you know, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you. You know what we're like? Now, not you. I'm not talking about you here. Maybe people in Texas, but not you. (laughs) We're like the kid who on Christmas morning has just opened his 1,000th gift. And then he says, is that all there is? And then he proceeds to play with the boxes. Even when I was a kid, I remember singing a song, count your blessings, name them one by one. Even as a kid, I knew I can't do it. One, I can't count that high. (laughs) Second, I'll overlook them. I'm blessed at times I don't even know when I'm being blessed. He is so gracious, folks. In fact, one of the things that I love about His grace, the Bible says that His thoughts for us are good. And maybe you didn't think that. Maybe you thought He was saying one more time. But His thoughts for us are good. And the Bible tells us they're like the sand. Now, I once heard a a guy trying to figure that out mathematically, and I'm a bit of a mathematician. I've kind of mastered the grocery list now. But he was doing a good job, I thought, and he came to a conclusion that I still thought might have been a little less than what it really was. He came to the conclusion that God had seven good thoughts per second. For each of us, think of it, 
Seven, good. I can't even think seven thoughts in a second. (laughs) And even as I'm speaking to you, God's thinking, I may not be what God is. And as I'm talking to you, thinking these good thoughts about you, seven, 14, 21, 28, 35, 42, 49, 56, 60-something. Folks, come to grips with this. God's thinking these good thoughts about you all the time right now. Awesome. That's His grace, you see. And it says He is slow to... Anger. Aren't you glad? You know, some people actually think that God's this white-haired old man sitting somewhere up on a cosmic rock, and he's pretty ticked off. Just looking for a human being. There's one. Zap! Got But no, he is slow to anger. He has a long fuse. And he isn't touchy. If we say, our Father in heaven, he doesn't go, what? (laughs) And he abounds in mercy and faithfulness. Now, faithfulness, truth, has to do with his always being the same. God is not the artful dodger. If you get lost, he's where you left him. He hasn't changed, you see. But mercy is when God does not give us what we do deserve. Aren't you glad about that? You know that if we got what we deserved, we'd all be little piles of ashes here right now. Crispy critters, you know. But, oh, his mercy is so incredible. In fact, the Bible even says that it endures forever. How long is that? Quite a while. But just in case you're still nervous, he also informs us that it's made new every morning. When you folks woke up this morning, God looked at you and went, Ooh. Spent it all in one place, didn't you? (laughs) Well, here's a fresh batch just for today. (laughs) That's a picture of His mercy, folks. And, And it doesn't strain God to issue mercy. If we show up, He doesn't say, Weren't you here yesterday? You think this grows on trees, don't you? It does, as a matter of fact. Any of you have a dog? Does he bark? Did you have to send him to barking school? It's his nature. Folks, it is more natural for God to issue mercy than it is for your dog to bark. Wow. And then mercy to thousands. I have a dear rabbi friend. I'm not sure he's still alive. He he went back to Los Angeles, and I, I had some wonderful conversations with him. I really began to think he might be a secret believer, you know. But he told me that this literally means to the thousands generation. 
Now, if a generation is 40 years, and we don't really know that, that's just an educated guess, then a thousand generations is 40,000 years. Thousands generations is at least 120,000 years. So if you ever feel like you're worthless, just look at what you started. At least 120,000 years of blessing. You can't beat that deal. And then forgiving. I love words that sound like what they mean. Forgiving wickedness. Iniquity. You ought to look it up in the dictionary. It's a long list. It's all bad. And he forgives. But just in case you think, well, I really wouldn't think of myself as being wicked. That's okay. He's got you covered. Forgiving rebellion. Well, yeah, that's getting closer. But even if you think, oh, no, I wouldn't really think of myself as being rebellious. That's okay. He's got you covered. Forgiving sin. Oh, yeah, yep, you got me there. Now, folks, this is awesome. This is his very nature. You have got to remember this. It will come in so handy as you read the Bible. So let's go through it again. Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and faithfulness, mercy to thousands, forgiving wickedness, forgiving rebellion, forgiving sin. Wow. Now, you know what? You're going to want to go back and read certain parts of the Scripture again. You want to go to your accordion in the back of the Bible concordance. uh, (laughs) And look up the word name. And everywhere you find that, you're going to know what it means. You'll reread it like, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are saved. And you will immediately think, let me see, the name, oh yeah, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and faithfulness, mercy to thousands, forgiving wickedness, forgiving rebellion, forgiving sin. You're weakening. (laughs) The name of the Lord, oh yeah, we know what that means, compassionate gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and faithfulness, mercy to the thousands, forgiving wickedness, forgiving rebellion, forgiving sin. You're going to know this before you leave here, folks. Some trust in chariots, some in horses. We will remember the name of the Lord our God. We know what those mean. Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and faithfulness, mercy to thousands, forgiving wickedness, forgiving rebellion, forgiving sin. You know what? Joel informs us, talking about our day, that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that great? Now we know what we're calling upon. Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and faithfulness, mercy to thousands, forgiving wickedness, forgiving rebellion, forgiving sin. 
One of the things that I love is how when you bring this into the New Testament, you make some remarkable discoveries. Well, even before you get to the New Testament, you you'll spend a long time just looking up name and glory, you know, and especially where it talks about, and the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Think of it. His glory. We know what that means now. Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and faithfulness, mercy to thousands, forgiving wickedness, forgiving rebellion, forgiving sin. You know, when Jesus was uh, teaching the apostles, they had asked him this question, you know. They were kind of manipulating Jesus, really. And they said, you know, uh, teach us to pray, Lord, as John taught his disciples how to pray. Really what they were saying was, you know, Jesus, John taught his disciples how to pray. What are you doing for us? You know, that's kind of like a rooster finding an ostrich egg somewhere, rolling it back to the hen house and saying, now girls. <laughs> I'm not complaining. I just want you to see what they're doing in other places, Okay. <laughs> So, you're going to remember the wrong things tonight. <laughs> so Jesus teaches them how to pray. And right off the bat, what does he say to pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now you know what to hallow. Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and faithfulness. Mercy to thousands, forgiving wickedness, forgiving rebellion. Forgiving sin. Now, when Jesus was riding into Jerusalem on the day we call Palm Sunday, riding on his 16-cylinder donkey, <laughs> you know, the crowd shouted something at him. What was it? Hosanna. Now, Hosanna means save now. But you have to understand and you'll understand it when you understand the fact that they couldn't say the name. Because you can't just say save now unless there is, is a subject who saves, see. And so understood there before Hosanna was the word Yahweh, which they couldn't say. But it was there, and they knew it was there. It was like in their hearts they were saying, Yahweh, save now. The answer was riding on the donkey, Yahshua. Jesus, which means Yahweh saves. Hosanna, Yahweh save now. Yahshua, Yahweh saves. Well, of course, we know what Yahweh means. And we know what Yah in Jesus' name means. And it's beginning to suddenly get clearer, isn't it? In both of those names, in Jesus, even as he's praying, in... in uh, John chapter 17 says, I've made your name known to them, the name you gave me. So in the sound of Hosanna, Yahshua, or Yahweh save us, and the answer writing on the donkey, Yahweh saves, there has to be this understanding in our hearts, and I'll show you where it was in theirs too, that he was compassionate, gracious, 
slow to anger, abounding in mercy and faithfulness, mercy to thousands, forgiving wickedness, forgiving rebellion, forgiving sin. But there was one more thing that they shouted at him on that day. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Well, we know what that means. Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and faithfulness, mercy to thousands, forgiving wickedness, forgiving rebellion, forgiving sin. Now, Jesus told us at one point that we could now ask in His name. Now, what's He trying to do? Take over heaven or something? A heavenly coup d'etat? No. You see, he had the Father's name too. But here's the interesting thing. Just to say, well, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, the words in the name of Jesus were magic words, man. You say them at the end of a prayer. It makes it work. It didn't matter what you said. You could say, kill him, Lord, in the name of Jesus. But when he says to pray in his name, you have to hear this. This is extremely important. I'll give you an example. Suppose that uh, Skip Heisig were to say to me, Gail, I want you to steal all of this equipment up here. You say, get out of here. He would never do that. That's the point. If I'm going to do something in his name, I have to do it the way he would do it, or it is not in his name, even if I use his name. It has to be done His way. For instance, Jesus even says in Matthew, Many will say in that day, Haven't we done many mighty works in your name? Cast out demons in your name? He says, Yet I'll say to you, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. You see, we're finding out that you can use His name and it not be in His name. One of my favorite stories really proves this. There were some uh, sons of Sceva in the New Testament, seven of those dudes, man. They were kind of the best illusionist ever to hit Las Vegas, man. They had the people really dumbfounded. And Paul, the apostle, comes along. He's doing things they had never seen before. Oh, man, they're thinking, there's got to be some incantation, some abracadabra in here. We've got to find out how he does this. And so they're kind of trying to nonchalantly listen to this, you know, and so on. Ah, I, I heard it. I heard it. He says, in the name of Jesus. Got it? Can you see the seven sons of Sceva getting together in a, in, a, in a huddle going, okay, let's practice, guys. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. All right, we got it. So they find themselves a demon-possessed man. I love this story. And I love the nuances of it. They say then to the demons, Demons, we strongly recommend to you. <laughs> that you come out. Ready, guys? In the name of Jesus. And by the way, if you don't know which Jesus that is, it's the one Paul preaches, okay? <laughs> Did they come out? No. But this demon-possessed man just beat the tar out of the seven sons of Stephen. <laughs> And the Bible says they went away naked. 
screaming <laughs> and bleeding. And <laughs> you see this? But wait a minute, they were using the name of Jesus. No, you have to do it his way or he won't honor it, you see. In the name now really means in the name, you see. Boy, there is a passage in, in Philippians chapter 2, about verse 11, after Paul has given us this incredible explanation of Jesus' nature. And he ends up saying, and he was obedient even unto death, the death on the cross. Therefore, God has given him the name that is above every name, at whose name every knee shall bow in heaven and earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Did you see that? We're getting it all together here. And it overwhelms us because we know it's like you're, you're squaring and triplicating or whatever the other one is, is something. His incredible name, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and faithfulness, mercy to thousands, forgiving wickedness, forgiving rebellion, forgiving sin. Now you may be saying, Erwin, you're not through. You're missing one. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, there's one more. <laughs> Ack. After he says, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, sin, he says, yet not letting the guilty go unpunished, visiting the sins of the fathers on the children of the third and fourth generations. Oh, man, my poor kids don't have a chance. <laughs> but I have good news for you. Moses in, in uh, Deuteronomy chapters 5 and 7, pardon me, I'm getting old fine-tunes this for us when he says, These are, that is only for those who hate God. Isn't that great? If I were to go down these roads, do you hate him? No. Do you hate him? No. You hate him. I don't think anybody here says, I hate God so much, I think I'm going to go to church. <laughs> Not likely. And then we're not under the curse either, see. Once you become a follower of Jesus, you are curse-free. Isn't that wonderful? Now, I read something yesterday. I could hardly believe it. It was a report on some genetic studies that have been done that when I read this, I, I just shivered because it took me to that passage. It's almost like God doesn't have to, do, to visit the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. You know, we basically, and I've always believed this, genetic cha changes don't happen. I mean, what you have passes on to your children, it passes on to your children. They have now discovered that sometimes the sins, the things that we do that damage us, and it doesn't have to be in a sense of physical, it can be a, a kind of... A, a mental or even an intense emotional thing actually 
turn some switches on and off on your genetic material so that what you think you're passing on is not what's happening. But you have damaged your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. They have tested this theory to the fourth generation now. Wow. So it isn't like God's doing this to you. He's just letting you, you know, reap what we sow in a sense. But one of the things I've discovered, and I love this, I've talked to so many people who messed their lives up so bad that there is no way they could have anything other than maybe a puppy dog rather than a child. And yet God has healed them. I've watched him do what I call genetic healing with people, which is why your children are better than average. You don't get that one, do you? (laughs) You see, God doesn't cause us to be subject to the curse. Oh, oh, one more thing. In Numbers chapter 6, God is setting some rules down, so to speak. And he says to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how, now Aaron and his sons were the priesthood, this is how they are to speak to the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord, there you go, bless you and keep you. The Lord, there you go again, make his face shine upon you. Oh, by the way, Jesus is the face of God. I don't know. I didn't take time to tell you that, did I? Uh, He's the one part of God we see. That's the face. That would be their understanding, you see. You don't see the Holy Spirit. You don't see God the Father. You do see Jesus, you see. He's God's face. So they were saying, God, turn Jesus toward you. The Lord, here we go again, lift up his countenance upon you or turn his face toward you and give you peace. Isn't that something? In order to bless people, you have to use the Lord's name. And if you're blessing people, you know what you're putting on them? Compassionate. Gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and faithfulness, mercy to thousands, forgiving wickedness, forgiving rebellion, forgiving sin. Oh, but here, here is the coup de gras or cup of grass, whatever that is. (laughs) The next verse and the last verse of that chapter says, So they will put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. Folks, that's called power. Just think of the power that you have when you say to someone, the Lord bless you and keep you, make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. You have placed God's name on Him. Think of the power of that. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord bless you. Even if you only remember the Lord bless you. He understands shorthand. (laughs) And we literally put his name on people. This is is too awesome for me. I I just want to go sit somewhere and think. 
It's a new experience. <laughs> so here's, here's a, a, a little uh, thing you got to do before you leave here. In a way, God gives you a stamp pad for you to put his name on people by blessing them. Now, he never gave them something to curse the people with. The Lord mess you up, make your hair fall out. (laughs) No, God's a blessing God. And if he blesses us, he wants us to pass that along, you see. It's the only way it works. And in so doing, you'll discover you're really the most blessed one. You're the most blessed one. I, you know, I could. I, I was speaking at a conference uh, in September, a pastor leader conference, and one of the speakers was sitting on the back row, just waiting to get up. He was next, and I hadn't seen him in a little while. He and I are friends. And so I went over and I just leaned down and put my arm around him and my head up against his. And I said, man, the Lord bless you. I really love you. And I walked on. He got up and that was all he could talk about. (laughs) He said he, he had no idea how I needed that right then. And I'm thinking how often I go by someone and they're so desperately in need of a blessing. And I have the power to give it. Sometimes when I'm uh, eating somewhere, which I do frequently, uh, I'll say to the waiter or waitress, whoever waits on us, you know, we're going to, after you take our order, we're going to pray. Is there something we could pray for you about? They never say no. It's like they want to stop and cry. Oh, yeah, and they just pour their hearts out there. It's so easy to bless people. You say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. And in so doing, you put his name in. So you can't leave here without doing some rubber stamping. You've got to bless at least three people. And if you find out you kind of like that, go to ten. And if you're really getting giddy, go to 20. That's good practice. Okay, you got it? You know that whenever you see the word Lord, you know what's under that. YHWH, whose definition is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and faithfulness, mercy to thousands, forgiving wickedness, forgiving rebellion, forgiving sin. If you see the word name and it's talking about the name of God, immediately you know what that means. Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and faithfulness, mercy to thousands, forgiving wickedness, forgiving rebellion, forgiving sin. And if you see the word glory, you know what that means if it's talking about God. Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and faithfulness, mercy to thousands, 
forgiving wickedness, forgiving rebellion, forgiving sin. And if you see the word Jesus or the face of God, you know now too that that also means (laughs) compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and faithfulness, mercy to thousands, forgiving wickedness, forgiving rebellion, forgiving sin. You got it? What about over here? You got it? You got it? Okay, God bless you. I'm finished. Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. If you would like more information about what you've heard in this message or about Calvary of Albuquerque, please visit our website at www.calvaryabq.org. If you have made a decision to follow Christ or would like someone to pray for you, please leave a message with our prayer watch line at 505-344-3658. Thank you and God bless.